book of Luke. There we go. Turn it to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. And we're going to start with verse 22 and read the story of Jesus being presented as just an infant uh, in the temple and this fascinating encounter with this man named Simeon. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord. And for Mary and Joseph, that meant that they sacrificed a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, you have promised, pardon me, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. And as we celebrate your goodness, as we think through this past year and the year that is to come, we pray for your continued guidance um, by your Holy Spirit through your word. And we give you thanks for speaking to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, How's your... Your New Year's preparations going? You, you might fit in the. Yeah, I'm not even worried about that camp. Just trying to get through every day. You might be in the. Yeah, I spend a lot of time thinking through. You know how I want to be different this year, and um, and that's that's all fine and good to to think through um, resolutions or something new um, for you. Uh, you you know your the new year um, is something that we. Uh, celebrate differently. Um, I think it's good to look through the scriptures and see what they say to us um, in how we can look forward with anticipation to the gift of time of year 2024 that God will give to us. And in this Simeon story, 
I want to look at three things that we see Simeon doing or that we see relevant to the story of Simeon and what we can put into practice in our own walk of faith and also uh, walk as a church community of faith as we enter into 2024. And so, as I mentioned before, we're going to look at at three things from the story and and, uh, they regard to our blessings from the Lord, the sorrows that we experience, and looking forward uh, with hope. And so there are three things that we see through Simeon this morning. There's no no uh, note sheets in your bulletin, but we do have um, some notes on the screen for us this morning. And the first thing that we see uh, that Simeon does and that we hopefully will do is this. One, tune yourself to see God's blessings. Tune yourself because it's easy to miss the blessings that God gives to us, to not recognize them, um, to take them for granted. So think of Simeon. He was old. It's kind of a mysterious fellow, right? We don't, we don't, this is his 15 minutes or 15 verses of, of, of fame. Um, and then he's, and then he's gone. Uh, think about this mysterious figure, Simeon. He, likely was old enough to be thinking about his death. I mean, his age is not given, but he did receive this promise from the Lord, you will not die before seeing the Messiah. So likely could be an older fella. Um, So he was waiting his whole life, and that could have included many years, for this, this, this Messiah, this promise to be fulfilled in his life. And he finally gets to see the Messiah. And I'm wondering, as he anticipated the fulfillment of this promise, what he was expecting, because it likely was not, he did not encounter the fulfillment of this promise um, like he would have expected. Um, You know, many, what what did he say? My eyes have seen uh, your salvation. And many a Jew... Uh, would have been expecting the Messiah, looking forward to seeing the Messiah. And many a a Jew may have imagined saying that very same thing. My eyes have seen your salvation, but looking at a different Messiah, that military warrior Messiah, um, heroically leading them in battle against the Romans in combat, And that might have been what many Jewish people were expecting to see when they saw the Messiah. Not this little infant. And here's Simeon waiting his whole life for this promise. And in this moment, he has has the Messiah in his his hands. But what? Just just imagine that for a moment. Um, Notice what he doesn't say. He could have... He could have thought, I've been waiting my whole life for this. God, I've been waiting my whole life for this, just holding this little infant in my, in my arms, in my hands. Um, and unfortunately, that is the reaction, that very one that Simeon doesn't give, that is the reaction or something similar to it for many people. You know, when you believe in 
a different gospel than the one that we read in the scriptures, when you believe in a prosperity gospel that says that God is here to give you everything that you desire, and then when you experience disappointing circumstances, you can grow very disappointed in God. Uh, in one of the, the parables that Jesus says, tells of, of the, the farmer sowing the seeds on the different kind of soils, Jesus warns that uh, that kind of... A, demanding uh, orientation towards God is a little like having a life of rocky soil. And when the the seed of God's word is sown, it it can't grow deep roots of faith. And so it will not last long. And when the time of testing or trial comes, Jesus says in that parable, if that is your orientation towards God, God, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm expecting, I'm expecting and demanding of you. Um, Jesus says, you will fall away quickly. But that wasn't Simeon. He had tuned himself to see God's blessings. When he saw the child, he didn't think, you know, what in the world is this little infant going to be able to do? I mean, there's, there's 30 years at least of more waiting for me, for this little fellow to, to grow up and then maybe do something. Uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't think that. Instead, his, he was full of joy and gratitude in that moment. I want you to think about how Simeon got to the temple in the first place that day. Now, we're not quite sure what the scriptures tell us is that he was moved by the Spirit. He was moved by the Spirit, and he went to the temple. Now, uh, did, did God's Spirit tell him that day, Simeon, go to the temple? Uh, it could have been like that. He could have heard that voice, go to the temple, Simeon. But I rather think it was more of a nudge. Um, and Simeon was open to this nudge of the Holy Spirit. He believed, if I respond to this nudge, this, this little gentle prompting from the Lord's Spirit, God has something good for me. God has a blessing for me. God has something wonderful in store for me. He was open to the blessing of God. He tuned himself to receive God's blessings. Simeon waited patiently for the promise of the Lord. So what was his orientation to the Lord? It wasn't this demanding, expecting orientation, but rather his primary way of orienting himself to God was one of faith and trust. And he was open and ready to receive good things from the Lord instead of doubting God's personal goodness towards him. So Simeon never gave up having this confidence in the Lord. And so he was able to see, instead of a disappointment in this little infant that he was holding, he was able to see this this child as the gift of God's salvation to him. That's the first thing. Tune yourself this year to see God's blessings. Second thing that we see, uh, bring your sorrows to the Lord. If you have your Bible still open, look at uh, verse 25 uh, and what it says about Simeon. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who, he was waiting for something. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel. Another way to translate that is the comforter of Israel to come. 
He was waiting for the comforter. And, and truth be told, uh, life at the time was hard for Israel. At most, they were experiencing this uneasy peace between them and the Romans. Um, at most. And often found themselves under the harsh rule of the Roman Empire. And Simeon indicates that it wouldn't necessarily be an emotional cakewalk moving forward for Mary either. Simeon tells Mary, and in such a, a vivid word picture this creates, he says, a sword will pierce your soul too. And if you like Bible study and looking at different words, by the way, the word that he used for sword is not, is not, it's not a small sword like the Roman soldiers carried. And, and, and likely, Mary and Joseph would have picked up on this word that Simeon uses. He was, the word he used was for this big, broad sword. I mean, like the, the big ones you see in the, you know, the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, this giant sword, and he says, that's going to go through your heart, Mary. Her soul wouldn't just be troubled or disturbed, it would be pierced by this, this big sword. She, I mean, she would see her son die, right? To give your heart to Jesus means your heart will be pierced. To give your heart to Jesus means you will see the, the world differently. There's a scene in the New Testament when Jesus is approaching Jerusalem for the last time, and and as he sees the city off in the distance, he weeps over Jerusalem because he knows of the brokenness of the city and how many would reject him in the city and not receive final redemption. Your, your, Your heart will ache for a broken world when you give your heart to Christ. So Jesus did not come so that we would be comfortable. Jesus came so that we will become like Christ, like him. In his his letter to uh, the Colossians, uh, the Apostle Paul writes about the glorious riches of being a Christian. What is the glorious riches, or what are the glorious riches of being a Christian? So look at verses 27 and 28 of chapter 1 of Colossians. Paul writes, the glorious riches of this mystery. What are the glorious riches? Here they are. Uh, the, the hope of glory. He is the one, oh, which is Christ in you. Sorry, getting ahead of myself. The glorious riches is Christ in you. Christ in you. That's the glorious riches of being a Christian. Verse 28, he, Christ, is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that, and that word, so that, is this intentional, like this leads to this word. We admonish, proclaim, teach everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So the glorious riches of Christ is Christ in us, us being transformed and to, to look more and more like Jesus in our inner being. Um, in other words, to be a Christian means you will be changed. Jesus must change you, or you don't have Jesus. Now, 
that doesn't happen all at once. That, that changing. And it may happen very slowly. And that's okay. Um, you know, God doesn't, this is kind of an interesting to think about. God doesn't ask us to do something that he hasn't already done himself. And God asks us to wait and be patient, just like Simeon had to wait and be patient. But that's only after God has shown himself to be incredibly patient as he waits on our changing and transformation. God is patient with us. So this change inside of us might, might happen very slowly, and God's like, that's okay, I'm patient with you, I'm patient. But you will change if you have truly repented and turned to Jesus. Now, what does this have to do with receiving comfort in our sorrows? Well, we are able to lift our sorrows to the Lord because God is at work through our sorrows, through our sufferings, to help us grow more and more like Jesus. And I want you to think about your sorrows from this past year and what has been the fruit of them, maybe many tears, but also maybe you've become more patient in your sorrows. Maybe you've become less selfish in your sorrows or maybe more caring or maybe more hopeful. Some of you read or have read Christianity Today. It's one of the, the big Christian uh, magazine uh, magazines out there. And one of the uh, former, I think he's a former editor-in-chief, um, is Marshall Shelley of Christianity Today. Marshall Shelley, <clears throat> I think now he's a professor at Denver Seminary. Uh, Marshall and his wife, Susan Shelley, um, had two young children die uh, very early due to some severe health complications. Just, I mean, it's a tragic story, which they they write and, 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 and tell about. And let me read you what Marshall wrote about this. He writes, Before my children died, I considered the doctrines of the resurrection and heaven pleasant but remote and a bit quaint. But now, in his life, they are central and strategic. He writes, as I held both Toby and Mandy, and those were his two children, within seconds of death, I was overwhelmed by a sense of how close every one of us is to eternity. And I was cheek to cheek with a child now entering everlasting life. His wife, Susan, I'm going to write that now she lives with, with one door. Right, one, one foot through the door to eternity. Now their two children have passed on before them. That's a change that happens through a new perspective and new hope that comes through some traumatic suffering. And it's, it's crushing to, 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 to lose children or, or loved ones, but that loss can catalyze your heart to, to live with Christian hope and give you a much greater perspective on what to set your heart on in this world. So you can give your sorrows to the Lord. You can know and pray, God, you're using the sorrow 
to, to grow Christ-likeness in me. So as you get ready for 2024, if you're one of those that, like, I'm going to make a resolution. I'm going to try to live into this resolution. A couple of thoughts here. One, um, well, here's the overall thought. Build them around a sorrow that you've experienced this past year. Build a resolution around a sorrow. Reflect, a few points on that. One, reflect on the sorrow that you have from this past year or suffering that you've encountered from 2023. Two, when you think about that, see see that sorrow not as a problem to be solved. Like, how am I going to fix this, Lord? No, don't see it as a problem to be solved. Three, find scriptures that speak to the sorrow that you've experienced. And 3.5, listen as you, as you reflect on the scriptures, how God may desire for you to grow or to change. Maybe that will be your approach to a resolution this next year. So tune yourself to see God's blessings Bring your your sorrows to the Lord. And three, what we see in the story, let the person of Jesus take you to hope. We can hope for circumstances. And they may come or they may not come. God's ways can be very unpredictable. Um, or, Or we can plant our hope in God's goodness towards us. And let let that be, not circumstances, let that be the foundation of our hope. God's goodness for us. And the reason we can know God's goodness towards us is the person of Jesus himself, the character of Jesus himself. So what Simeon says as he holds the infant Jesus, it's rather astonishing. Let's look at this again, verses 30 through 32. Pardon me, I know my voice is scratchy this morning. Uh, starting with verse 30. Simeon says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. Now that is interesting for a Jewish person in Jesus' day to say. I've seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight of all nations. And then verse 32 is just flat out astonishing. A light for revelation to who? To the Gentiles? What? And the glory of your people, Israel. Second. Isn't that fascinating? He, he reverses the order. We would fully expect him to say, this is a light for revelation to, and salvation to us Jewish people. But he doesn't. He says, this is a, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel, in that order. So what is going on? Well, God is revealing something in the Messiah. The Messiah will go out to those who would least expect it, and in particular, those who do not deserve it. In other words, this Messiah will be full of grace and mercy. Thomas Torrance um, that is a Scottish Presbyterian minister and theologian that lived, oh, he was an army chaplain during World War II. That gives you a little insight into his age. 
He tells the story of a young soldier who was mortally wounded, and he came across in the battlefield in Italy during World War II. So this 19-year-old soldier was dying on the battlefield. Torrance is this chaplain who comes to him. And that 19-year-old soldier asks him on the battlefield, asks him, Padre, is God like Jesus? Isn't that fascinating? I mean, the theological question that was so big in the first several centuries um, after Jesus was, it was reversed. It was, is Jesus like God? How much is Jesus like God? But that, that soldier reverses that. Is God like Jesus? What was, he, what was he asking? He was like, I'm about to see God. Is he... Is he mercy, merciful and gracious just like Jesus? Because I know who Jesus is. I see him full of grace and mercy and is God like that. So Torrance says this question, is God like Jesus? It's the deepest cry of the human heart. Is the God that will meet on the other side of death the same God that came to earth as this lowly little infant, this baby, this, this vulnerable child? Is God humble? Is he kind? Is he full of grace? Is he forgiving? Is he merciful? Torrance told the soldier, God is indeed really like Jesus. There is no unknown God behind the back of Jesus for us to fear. To see the Lord Jesus is to see the very face of God. Now, where did Thomas Torrance get that? Well, he got it from Jesus himself. It's from Jesus who says, anyone who has seen me has also seen the Father. Jesus forgives any person who humbles himself or herself before God. The gospel is that this great exchange has taken place. Christ's righteous perfection for the stain of your sins. Christ took on your sin so that you could stand before God as spotless and holy and pure, without blemish. Therefore, you can know that God is always for you. God always will bring what is best for you out of this real, never-failing love for you. That's why we can have this solid, certain, lasting hope. So, let the person of Jesus drive you to hope for what God will do. So we would like to start this new year by doing these, these three things now in this time of prayer. Um, I want you to, to think of these three things. What is an outstanding blessing that you've received from God in 2023 that you can be thankful for? What is a significant sorrow that you've experienced this past year that you can bring to God? And then what is a hope for 2024? And I pray that lifting up our blessings and presenting our sorrows to the Lord and looking forward to hope would be a very important and meaningful exercise of faith as God leads us into this next new year. So what we would like to do is just spend 10 minutes or so in prayer together. I'm going to start a softened prayer, and then we'll have Danny and Bolivar come up and lead us as well. So Psalm 105 says this, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him. Tell of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. 
Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord who is full of strength. Seek His face always. Remember the wonders that He has done, His miracles and the judgments He has pronounced. You, His servants, the descendants of Abraham, His chosen ones, the children of Jacob, He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. And God remembers His covenant forever. He remembers the promises He has made for thousands of generations. So you think of an outstanding blessing you've received from this faithful God of ours. And hold that in your heart and let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, you have shed upon us the new light of your incarnate word, Jesus Christ. And as we come into this new year, may this light of yours illuminate our hearts. And may it shine forth in our lives with great thanksgiving and praise. And as we continue in this church season of Christmas, we thank you for the the hope of the prophets, the song of the angels, and the birth of our Savior Jesus. In his face, we behold your glory. For in his life, as in his death, is the gift of your salvation. So we thank you for the gift of life, for the gift of our life, and by your Spirit, make our hearts burn with a love for you so that we may give as we have received, as we have received life from you. May we give our life to others. May we give our lives to you as a sacrificial offering. And through Christ in us, may you now present us as gifts to the world, as living sacraments of Christ to the world. What an awesome calling you have given us. And we cannot be faithful to this calling without joy in our hearts from you. And as Paul writes in his letter to the Thessalonians, we should rejoice always and pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances for this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to not quench the Spirit as Paul then writes, by being discontented. Help us not quench the Spirit by failing to believe in your goodness to us. Help us to be thankful in all circumstances, focused on your blessings. Help us to reflect on your steadfast love, which indeed endures forever, and give you thanks and praise for your blessings to us. And right now we acknowledge to you, and we give you thanks individually, for this outstanding blessing or the blessings that you have brought to our hearts that we have received from you this past year. I invite you to lift those up to the Lord in thanksgiving. Thank you from our hearts, great God. We ask that you would help us to cherish your blessings, to see them as gifts, never as payments that are owed to us, for we could never deserve any of your kindness. You are the great God. You are our good Heavenly Father. And we thank you for inviting us to live in the goodness of your kingdom. Amen.